In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many to produce a relatively listenable podcast. Devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! Wait! Oh, okay. no, They're puppets. Don't ruin it! And... <laughs> Muppets is, are puppets. This is kind of... <laughs> Hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, but... I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's it's a Hulkbuster. Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's, that's how he fights the Iron Man. <laughs> this is the Cinesnob Podcast. Welcome to episode 103 of the Cinesnob Podcast. I am Jared Kingery. I am Sir Cody Viafania. Wow, that was a little loud in my ear, Cody. I wonder if you're just yelling or you are you just excited that we're back after a month or so? Yeah, it's been it's been some time. It's been a while, so uh getting back to the As the kids as the kids say it's been a minute. Oh, it's been a minute. It has been a minute. It has been several minutes. Yeah. Let yeah, it's been last movie we reviewed was uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, which I think uh I saw about two months ago now. Yeah, I uh, I saw that again recently, and it I liked it better. Oh, good. I, I that was that we're we're gonna get to to uh, well, that's a little bit of a spoiler because we're gonna get to it in a minute. Nope. <laughs> what the, <laughs> you motherfucker? <laughs> Mute your tabs, goddammit. Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Uh, so we don't have a movie re- to review this week because we're in those uh, those dog days of summer where uh, the releases are either kind of uh, sporadic or they're they're kind of things that we don't really um, I don't know what you want to say want to to talk about. Yeah, I think that's fair is to that, say. Is that a yeah. fair assessment? <laughs> I mean, I look. I uh, the only major release this week was Annabelle Creation, and I'm about three Conjuring movies behind on uh, on that series, so I had no interest in going. I've to never see seen a, a Conjuring to a movie. I remember liking the first one. I mean, I know that those people are uh, the people that that they're based on are notorious hucksters and full of shit, but. Uh, I remember liking the first Conjuring. That's Patrick Wilson and uh, Vera Farmiga, I think. Uh, is that how you say it? Farmiga? I think it's Farmiga, not Farmiga. That sounds like a type of cheese. Uh, that's the that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a good. It's a it's a it's a good it's a good salad cheese. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so this this week we're gonna give you our top five movies of the year so far. But first, we're going to get a little business out of the way and uh, preview some events I'm actually seeing this week. I don't know if you're heading out to uh, these Fathom events this week, Cody. But uh, tomorrow night, uh, they're screening uh, Fathom events, Batman and Harley Quinn. It's an animated film uh, from uh, DC. It's the D- that DC Universe uh, animated stuff they do. Last year, we did The Killing Joke, which I don't think either of us liked at all. No, that's very safe um, to say. Was that already... Was that already last year? Was that a year ago? Uh, yeah, I Has think time so. Time flown that, that I mean, fast. Were, yeah, this were, is. Were you still? No, you were. Were you gone or were you still here? By the no, you were gone. I think. Bro, I've been in Austin two years now, 
So I thought I just remembered. I don't. Time. Maybe I went by myself. I don't remember. I just remember getting these like heroes and fantasies cards. That that's the only thing I remember from it. Oh, I I went to a, a draft house. Oh, here, okay. Um, the village. So uh, anyway, this is a, a new film uh, from uh, animation icon Bruce Tim, who is kind of the guy that was behind uh, uh, a lot of this uh, Batman the Animated Series stuff. The 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 kind of the classic Batman the Animated Series, which is hard weird to say classic since it's from 1992. Anyway, this uh, features uh, a voice cast uh, le- led by Kevin Conroy, who is probably the most iconic Batman. Did you ever watch Batman the Animated Series? I have. Too young yeah, I have not seen that. Anyway, he was the same guy that voiced Batman in The Killing Joke, and he's done a lot of these. Uh, every now and then, they'll th- they'll make one of these movies, and they'll throw a different actor in the role. Uh, I think Peter Weller did one of them. Um, oh, God, who else did? I-, I can't remember who did Batman's voice in some of these movies. But Kevin Conroy is... Uh, you know, he's a longtime voice actor uh, of Batman, and he's back for this. Uh, this, of course, features Harley Quinn, uh, who skyrocketed to fame uh, and inappropriate Halloween costumes everywhere after Suicide Squad uh, last year. And this is uh, this time she used to be voiced by Arlene Sorkin. Do you remember uh, <laughs> who Arlene Sorkin was? I do not. Do you, I, I bet. I bet if I bet if I mention uh, America's Funniest People. You, that's a show you watched, isn't it? Uh, no. Maybe not. Really? It was hosted by uh by Dave Coulier. Man, I don't remember that at all. Sunday, with the jet, with the with the jackalope. Oh Jesus! Maybe you are too young. I thought that would be some kind of bullshit that you would have eaten up because it was right in that like Mighty Ducks era. Oh well, man, I don't, I don't know. I, everyone knows I'm a huge Dave Coulier fan, but I, that has eluded me somehow. <laughs> well, you know what? You need to you need to catch up on your back catalog cools. <laughs> and uh and anyway, uh she was the co-host of that show. Anyway, she voiced Harley Quinn originally. Now it's Melissa Rauch from uh, The Big Bang Theory. Anyway, uh that's uh coming up tomorrow night, Monday, August 14th, uh Fathom Events Theaters Nationwide. You can go to fathomevents.com to get your tickets. Also this Thursday, Another Fathom event. This is the final Rift Tracks Live of the year. It's Rift Tracks Live Doctor Who. They're riffing a classic episode called The Five Doctors. Look, I don't know shit about Doctor Who. I don't know if you do at all. Zero. It's it's a very, very hot nerd property right now. And I I'm I'm left on the sidelines just watching. Are you worried about like inside baseball on some of these jokes? Um, I, I, I get the gist of this stuff. They've done a couple of other, uh, Doctor Who episodes that are like, that are considered non-canonical that, uh, apparently in the sixties, they did some like one-off Doctor Who movies, uh, starring Peter Cushing from, of Hmm. course, Star Wars and his ghost was in, uh, Rogue One. Do you remember? Oh yeah. Great hologram Um, performance. (laughs) Yes. He's from, from the grave. Uh, he, uh, gave that that cool uh, CGI performance that left everybody freaked out and that Disney immediately had to answer for. That's probably the worst part of the whole thing is that that thing happened and it didn't get any, even any time to kind of solidify in people's minds. And then Carrie Fisher died. Yeah. And immediately they had to say that they weren't going to use it again. Yeah. Well, immediately they, they had, had to, to say that, that they were going to, they had like full permission from Peter Cushing's family and estate and stuff like that. 
Like everyone was immediately like, yeah, this is then, weird. Like, and then a week later, they're like, oh, we're not going to do this for Carrie Fisher. We we didn't give a shit about Peter Cushing's legacy. I think that that whole decision <laughs> backfired. Yeah, I, I don't. It was. I think it's probably something they wish they maybe could have back or maybe had not done. Is I I don't know. I it's it's a very odd circumstance. Anyway, uh, Rift Tracks Live, Doctor Who, the Five Doctors. That is Thursday. August 17th, with an encore on August 24th. You can get your tickets at FathomEvents.com. Again, this is the last Rift Tracks Live of the year. The last one was uh, Summer Shorts, Shorts Beach Party, and that's the one my picture was in the credits of, Cody. Oh, nice. Do you remember no, that? No, I don't. I wasn't there. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Well, I, it's my. it was my Facebook profile picture for a while. You didn't even like it, I don't think. Well, I mean, I have Fucking things to do. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can get your tickets for those at fathomevents.com. All right, let's go ahead and move on to news. It's time for the real rundown, recapping this week in movie news. All right, this week and uh, lots of weeks prior to this that we haven't really been talking about. We haven't done news in a while. We, I don't we think haven't. Anyway. No, I miss it. But there's o- there's oodles of uh, good. Juicy-ish Justice League gossip out there. It's uh, this is of course the uh, the film uh, culmination of uh, well, I don't know what you would call it, culmination of the DC universe so far. The big team up featuring Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Cyborg for who knows why, Aquaman, and uh, probably uh, Superman. Well, I mean, definitely Superman because that's part of the gossip we'll talk about. Uh, was directed by Zack Snyder. Uh, who left the project a few months ago after uh, the uh, tragic suicide of his, I believe it's his stepdaughter, uh, adopted daughter. I, 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 don't, I don't remember the circumstance. A daughter. I will say a daughter. I don't want to qualify because it doesn't really matter. But uh, uh, taken over by Joss Whedon. And rumors have circulated since then that this was a, outside of the tragedy that he suffered, that Zack Snyder suffered, uh, you know, immediate tragedy in his family. This is sort of a under-the-table, quiet replacement uh, based on the performance of, uh, well, not performance, but but critical reaction to Batman versus Superman and the critical adoration that Wonder Woman got. This is is a marked tone shift for the DC Universe. And there's a lot of good rumors out there, good gossip that... uh, I call it hot goss. I kind of feel like an asshole... Ooh, hot goss. Yeah, it's hot goss. Uh, that's my Ryan Go- that's my Ryan Gosling tumbler too. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, hot goss on hot goss. But it <laughs> the uh, I guess probably the uh the biggest obstacle with talking about this stuff is you feel like a real prick because you're talking about a guy who um who was replaced, well, who might have been replaced but also left to deal with a family tragedy, which I I think we can separate that from 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 this gossip personally but yeah. some people don't like to do that. Yeah. I mean I don't I <coughs> Anyway, yeah. um go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just I think that um regardless of that situation um there's still a, a lot of stuff that even before that had been announced a, a lot of 
hot goss, as I as I said, uh, happening about the movie <laughs> and its potential trouble that it's been having, like just throughout, and really the whole DC universe. I mean, going going back to even stuff that happened before this, which was you know the all of the Batman stuff that had happened, where Matt Reeves had taken over, and now they officially said that. Uh, Matt Reeves is restarting the script from scratch and he wants to make it like Hitchcocky and noir. And so like everything in the DC universe seems to be falling apart all the time. It's just crazy. And, and there's still no uh, solid commitment from Ben Affleck uh, on the Batman, uh, this Batman solo movie, which has been the the hot goss that uh, that he's unhappy. <laughs> Please and hope wants that to catch leave. on. <laughs> the hot goss has been that uh, that, that Affleck uh, wants out and that they're working on a solution to get him out uh which which i don't i don't i don't get i mean uh I, there, there's a lot of stuff cited that oh you know matt reeves is planning a trilogy and by the time he's done he'll be in his mid-50s first of all there's no way the fucking studio didn't you know budget for that it's not like they're i mean robert Downey jr's in his mid-50s and he's still playing iron man uh the character that, that Affleck plays as Batman is an older Batman. I mean, that's, that just sounds like a, a face-saving move. Like, I, I get the sense that the reason this, and this is just pure speculation for the hot goss, is that uh, the only reason Affleck would want to leave is because these movies suck dick. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, I would, I think that Matt bringing Matt Reeves on is a good sign because I think Matt Reeves is a great filmmaker and if if this Justice League stuff is true, they brought in Whedon as a another mostly great filmmaker, I think, uh, to fix the problems that existed, uh, which is the latest rumor is that the uh, original cut of Justice League before these reshoots started was, uh, quote, unwatchable. Yeah, that's... Uh, do you have a source on that's that? That's coming from Batman on Film. Uh, the trusted source of Batman on film, uh, <laughs> I guess. All your hot, go- all your hot goss. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. So apparently, what I had heard was that the cyborg stuff was really dark, and so they were going back and reshooting it to make the tone a little bit lighter of that character. Which to me, I never like that as a thing. Like I never like hearing, "I'm we're reshooting because the tone was too dark, so we're going to make it lighter." Like to me, that that just spells like okay, well, like I, what's gonna? I, I'm, there was a movie where I had heard that recently. I can't put my finger on it, but it was a similar thing. Like that was it? Uh, Justice Le- or no? Uh, um, Suicide Squad, right? Didn't they say that they were lightening the tone with reshoots for that oh, one? Oh yeah, the Suicide Squad thing was. I believe they cut that funny trailer or that trailer. Remember the first trailer that everybody was like, "Holy shit, this might be good," and uh, and then the the uh, the 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 buzz after that was that the movie does not match this trailer at all. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, that's when they went back and had uh, reshoots. And then that's when uh, the famously the trailer, whoever the trailer company was actually had a cut of the film and that's what was released. Um, but anyway, this, the, the tone thing that's been a big gripe for fans of the, you know, for Batman V Superman for a long time was that the tone is too dark. I personally don't think the tone is too dark. I think that you can make good movies with this tone. Uh, it's just that none of them have made any fucking sense. And I, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but the fucking plots are just 
garbage. Yeah, they're yeah, they're terrible. Mute, mutilated bullshit. Yeah, well, it's it's super <laughs> so, glossy, yeah, it's the... overly uh, like overly glossy, green screened, uh, like mopey stuff. Without like, I think I've said this to you uh, so many times. They're no fun. They're zero fun. And I don't think that uh, I think that I don't. I think that a movie can be dark and fun at the same time. Like the Dark Knight is dark, but it's fun. And I think that yeah, on some yeah. level, these movies need to be at least a little bit fun. And I don't think that Batman v Superman or A Man of Steel were even an ounce enjoyable in that sense. That that's I, that's true. But like I said, I, I still think the problem lies with the this stuff being just a garbage fire of a plot. The the you know Batman v Superman. It doesn't make any sense for the first half hour, and then the re- famously the climax of the film, uh, the you know, the second act, I guess you would call it, before the final battle is, uh, Batman realizes he has this, his mom has the same fucking name as Superman. Yep, like, it's just a dipshit plot point. Uh, you know, they they could have been handled way better. I mean, it could have just been it could have been anything else other than that, but uh the uh the notion that justice league was unwatchable uh i mean you know i i haven't been blown away by any any of the trailers i think there's some funny elements in it i think that uh you know uh ezra miller's flash and 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 jason momoa's aquaman probably get the most laughs of any dc movie so far but uh you know i i get i get the sense that that we're getting more and more into the the territory of this being a real bona fide change of course for DC, not just, Hey, Zack Snyder had this tragedy happen in his family. Now he's going to have to now, you know, Joss Whedon's graciously stepping in. Like there's a reason they chose Joss Whedon. Right. And you know, they not, not just whoever the, you know, whoever the fucking DP was. Yeah. Well, here's a hot piece of hot goss. (laughs) Uh, that's no way that's catching on. But anyway, uh, the the <laughs> word is uh, that um, when they when they premiered the trailer, uh, the Comic Con trailer for uh, Justice League, that it said a Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon film, meaning that uh, that Joss Whedon might be yes. might get a directing credit, which um, which was everyone was quick to point out that it's not a decision that's made. It's a DGA rule that states if you direct a certain portion of the film, then you get a director credit. So, you know, that, right. that just shows how extensive these reshoots are and how big of a hand that Joss Whedon has in it because he's basically taking the movie from reshoots and, and overseeing post-production. So it's it's almost like he is, I mean, at least to me, that reads as... Joss Whedon is shaping the film, including being in charge of writing and directing all of the reshoots, which, if you've heard anything, are yeah. extensive. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, I'm sure the arbitration for the director's credit hasn't even been approached yet. Uh, and, and this is another that's another question that will arise with uh, obviously the Han Solo movie with uh, with uh, Lord and Miller being replaced by Ron Howard you know, how that director credit will, will, uh, shake out. Uh, but you know, if, if DC is presenting this, uh, you know, and Warner brothers is presenting this as a film by Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon, that's pretty telling to me that this was a, you know, this wasn't somebody pinch hitting. This was a, a real, uh, course correction, which 
I, I don't, it's funny because, you know, people, people are sympathetic to Zack Snyder, um, after, you know, the whole, you know, a tragedy like that, but I don't, you don't find many fans otherwise, uh, at least anecdotally for me, like no one's a Zack Snyder fan. You know, I mean, he makes movies that I, I, I don't know a movie that he's made that people actually like. Who, Zack Snyder? Yeah, three hundred. Yeah. I would say would has been his most well received. Actually, Dawn of the Dead was really well received, right? That's probably his oh, most well received right. one. Yeah, well, that was probably, but that's probably like the least Snydery. Of yeah, them all. I mean, look, I like I I actually yeah, like Watchmen. I just fine. Um, I don't have anything against that movie. <laughs> I w- I found it tedious, but anyway, uh, yeah, and stuff like Sucker Punch is a terrible piece of shit. Uh, Man of Steel is is halfway decent. I don't think Man of Steel is a total loss, but I think it's uh, you know, it suffers from the same. I, I just wish they'd stop making Superman into Jesus. I just really wish they'd stop. Yeah, like it, we get it. It's like seeing Spider Man's fucking origin story. Like, no, just stop, please stop. <laughs> uh, I mean, like they made a point. Like, oh, he's thirty three years old. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, and had him have like but, long uh, hair, right? At some, at one point. Uh, I don't think so, but but that get, that's going to bring me back to another rumor. My favorite uh, uh, got hot goss coming out of this Justice League shoot uh, in the past few weeks was that uh, uh, Paramount is uh, sticking it to Warner Brothers uh, using Henry Cavill on the reshoot. Spoiler alert: Superman. Oh, be I remember this story. I love this story. <laughs> that uh he had to grow a mustache for uh mission impossible six is it yeah now? and uh the paramount won't let him shave it so the his mustache for the reshoots <laughs> will have to be digitally removed <laughs> this is this is the like goofiest like studio politics bullshit story that i've heard in a long time first of all how long can it take to grow a mustache like for henry cavill or how much how how I thought we've advanced far enough in like makeup technology to create a fake mustache. Right. You know? Yeah, of course. But I mean, it, it just feels like a studio digging their heels in and, and it's like, it feels like a total power <laughs> move. So, you know, that not only are there like, like tons of like an eat, like an angry email chain about Henry, Henry Cavill's mustache, but like, I just imagine the possibilities. Like, I would love if they just kept it in in Justice League, but never acknowledged it. So, in some scenes, he's got a mustache, that, and some he doesn't. That's the the best part of it. Is though, is there's going to be like a fully costumed Superman, presumably, uh, running around in in raw footage with with just a mustache, <laughs> just looking like an '80s dad. Yeah, I, I, can't, I, can't, I really can't wait but, uh, for that because the mustache really is a, a hallmark of a certain era. Yeah, it's uh, it, that's that's again, that's probably my favorite gossip of the of the the whole thing so far is that it that uh, the uh, mustache wars, which it seems it, I, I, I saw that story pop up and I think I sent it to you right away and it seems fake. Like it seems like a bullshit story. And then, nope, it's fucking studio politics yep yep i love it anyway uh any any more hot goss on the justice league that you want to no i think that's about it i just think that i like it's one of those things where like it's what when is the movies when's the release date i it's sometime in november right and they are as it stands right now they are still in reshoots so uh it's crazy to me that what's not 
What? Right. I think Rogue One. I think Rogue One was in reshoots pretty late too. But they're but they're like changing the tone of the movie three months out. Oh yeah. No, I mean it. It has a potential to be a real fucking train wreck again. But you know, we'll see. I, I mean, I, I you know, I think Joss Whedon's made one great movie and uh, one pretty good movie. I, I think you know, Avengers was great. Uh, I like Serenity um, as his debut film. Uh, I think Avengers uh, Age of Ultron is proof that he can't quite handle a studio meddling um, as some other directors might have. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting case for him. Uh, you know, I mean, because at this point, I think it's it's probably mostly what the final product is. What we're going to see is more going to be Joss Whedon's uh, vision than Zack Snyder's. I, I just get that. I get that vibe that too. That this is, you know, this is this is they brought Whedon on for a reason, and you know the reason was a billion dollar box office for the Avengers. <laughs> but um, we'll see, and and we'll keep our ears peeled for more hot goss. <laughs> Can we rename this segment Hot Goss? Justicely. I I'm fully for that. Get that British lady. Uh, Give her another five bucks. That British lady, and say it's. T- it's time for hot goss. <laughs> I think with a British accent, it sounds like a like a like a tea or something, <laughs> or just like one of those like gross drinks you'd get at like Christmas time. <laughs> yeah, like like a, like a, a like Dickensian drink. Or... <laughs> yeah, like I have a hot goss, please. It warms me bones. I, by the way, I tried to, to I try to use the word Dickensian as often as possible. I've noticed it's 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 seeping into your uh facebook updates and stuff. oh yeah no i say dickensian at least three times a day on facebook and you and you wear one of those like sideways hats and a and a scarf like you're some sort of uh, dickensian orphan <laughs> yes exactly you can pull it off i think I, thank you like hey sir and you throw rocks at like a wagon driven by a man in a top hat just kind of weird shit like yeah that. that's totally what i do oh yeah anyway let's go ahead and move on to our top five of the year so far I don't think we have an open for this. No, no, we don't. Let's let's. Hey, oh, whoa, whoa! Top five of the year so far. <laughs> All right, so uh, <laughs> that was good, right? It was great. It like We're it. operating on for the first time ever. We have a little bit of a delay in our thing, and so it's uh, it's uh, I'm finding it a bit challenging right now. Oh, you can't uh, overcome that, huh? I'm trying. Because we used to have to do that on Skype a little bit, but this thing that we've used has been pretty awesome with no delay, but uh, well, there's a bit of a delay tonight. Oh, poopy. All right, so uh, we're just going to run down our top five. We haven't consulted on this. We so haven't, we no. We should have, but... Uh, um, so you want to start, uh, like, go down five to one? Yeah, let's do that. And we'll... Uh, all right. Uh, why don't you kick it off, Cody? What's your number five movie of the year? So I'm going with a bit of a sentimental pick because I'm I'm making my number five my best movie experience of the year. Uh, I feel like it deserves to be there. So uh, some some candidates for this number five spot would be like like War for the Planet of the Apes or a, a great movie I saw at South by Southwest called um, Mr. Roosevelt. But uh, what I'm going to go with is my favorite. Probably my favorite movie going experience of all time, which was the di- <laughs> the Disaster Artist, um, the James. You son of a bitch! That was my number two pick. So, 
we'll we'll talk about it and it's gonna happen along this list so so anyway um it happens every time um but yeah this was it's hard to describe uh if you weren't in that room what watching that movie was like because first of all it it went over like i mean like huge laughs the whole time but also knowing that tommy was so was three rows behind us watching this for the first time gave this really surrealist quality that I will never replicate. And I I remember I was reading this quote from James Franco that came out the other day that said that uh, the South by Southwest, (laughs) yeah, the South by Southwest screenings uh, of, of spring breakers, but most importantly, the disaster artists were the best screenings of his life. And he said it was like a rock concert and that's actually pretty accurate um and just i've never heard a comedy work so well before and part of the reason is there's thousands of people in there but well yeah and and, i mean we should clarify we should uh let people know this is the the film about the making of the room yes well we've talked about it on here before but just to recap uh the room is is 2003 movie uh directed written directed uh by and starring uh tommy wiseau who we've interviewed on this podcast before. I've interviewed on this podcast before. Uh, Greg Sestero, who we've talked to on this podcast before, uh, wrote a book called The Disaster Artist, uh, based on the making of this film. Uh, it's a real kind of inside Hollywood thing. Um, you know, uh, how this movie that it's not a low budget movie by any means. Uh, well, by a lot, by some means it is, but it was a, a well funded movie by a crazy person, essentially. Someone who had a, a singular crazy vision. And uh, Franco plays Tommy Wiseau, uh, and, and and I I I felt like picking this too. We'll talk about it some more with the number two pick. I felt like it was uh, a bit of a cheat because no one's seen it yet, but that crowd. Yeah. Uh, but it was like you said, a great film going experience. Um, I I don't know that uh, I've ever had more uh, fun watching a movie than that night. <laughs> yeah. And you and I were both looking forward to this quite a bit because of our, you know, our 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 low key friendship with Greg and, uh, um, you know, the fact that he's been in. We've talked to him a few times and, and kept in touch, and uh, he's you know clued us in to to stuff along the way that's happening. Um, but uh, I think my favorite quote, uh, going back to that Franco interview you talked about, is Tommy was so like you said was seeing it for the first time. And, you know, you and I both went and talked to Greg before the show and said hello to Tommy. Uh, and knowing that he was three rows behind us or however, what, whatever it was, was a little nerve wracking at times because he's a, you know, by all intents and for all intents and purposes, he's a weird dude, but he is kind of a nice guy. Mm-hmm. After all the weirdness melts away, like he was very nice to me after I, after he, his initial like standoffishness to me. And to know that this might like deeply hurt him was a little rough to think about. Yes, but uh, but Franco, that's but that's a testament to the Franco movie. Says, no, I agree. And Franco says in that same interview, I don't know if you remember this part. He said that that Tommy liked ninety nine point nine percent of it, mm-hmm. but he didn't like the lighting in the beginning. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's just some like some bullshit excuse. Which I I love by the way <laughs> so, uh, because Tommy has also gone on record that by saying I think like 40% of the disaster artists he agrees with but 99.9% of the movie is okay. Yeah, uh, he, I remember Greg telling us he he kind of uh wavers between 40 and 45%. <laughs> but, uh, Very scientific. Uh I I can't he's if you go back and listen to my interview with him uh from a couple years ago, it's a long 20-minute interview uh 
we talked about stuff. Uh, I, I think he, he had some other stuff to say uh, about the disaster artist and how he was going to come up with it, come out with his own book. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how much of that stuff is, is an act from him. It's, it's, it's hard. It's a hard read because, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think he and Greg are still like legitimately best. Friends, yeah. I think they talk like every day, or at least very close. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to imagine that, that this thing would, you know, that he would not agree with get this far, you know, to be to be made into a, a you know, a movie. Well, yeah. That, that, I, well, I also think that on some level, Greg is protective of his friend. It wouldn't let something like that get out. I mean, like, again, it really is a testament to the fact that there were only a couple tense moments watching the movie with the guy in there where it didn't feel like they were making fun of him as much as it as it was, first of all, telling you who the guy is, because by all accounts, that's who he is, but also... The fact that it came from a place of admiration, I felt. I didn't. I didn't think it was mean spirited at all. Okay, so we'll talk about that more in my number two pick. Uh, my number five pick now is uh, something you mentioned a minute ago: War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I, I, I this is an, another movie. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, I saw it like two months ago. Uh, that which was like a month before release date. So it was one of those things that Fox was really confident with. Uh, another movie we'll talk about on the list it, uh, had the same sort of. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, Fox had the same sort of confidence in. I'm sure you know. What I do, but uh, uh, um, the you know, I didn't find this quite as as much of a gut punch as uh, uh, of enjoyment as Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I agree. That's the second one, right? Yes. I, I always get those confused. Uh, but I, I was kind of shocked at how intimate this one was, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, it leaves a little. Um, you know, it, it gets a little fantastical sometimes. Uh, you know, maybe the I'm uh, I'm not quite as down with the happy ish ending as I might have. You know, as some people might be, but I think it it's a really great film. I think that it's it. Like I said, the intimacy of it really shocked me. Uh, that it was this something called War for the Planet of the Apes, and it's really just like a a it's a remake, as, almost essentially of. The movie The Searchers with John Wayne with apes. You know, there's like three apes looking, you know, traveling across the snow. It's it's weird how low key it is, uh, but it's it's amazing how effective it is. And I think that's a testament to to how good Matt Reeves is as a filmmaker that you believe you're, you're so invested in these fake monkeys. Yeah. Uh, that you you buy into this all. And I think, again, the score by um, Michael Giacchino is fantastic. Yeah. I've listened to it in my car many, many times. Yeah, it's really good. I, I think uh, I, I just said I, <clears throat> I watched it the other day. I actually went to the, <laughs> went to the drive-in again, and I, uh, I finally completed the double feature. I had never stayed for both, so uh, it was. Oh, what was the double feature? Uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. So it was a pretty good double That's feature. Double well, feature. they all are, but uh, the, the pairings are always a little weird. <laughs> but like it was, it was kind of surreal leaving the drive-through at New Braunfels at two a.m. after Planet of the Apes ended. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it's fun. But yeah, I, you know the movie held up. Uh, I actually liked it better the second time around. Um, I think that a big part of it is just just how the motion capture is just completely incredible, and how these are these are actors giving real performances, and how great Andy Serkis is. And um, you know, I think that it's a little on the nose at times, and I think that's maybe the biggest problem with all of the Apes movies is they're kind of on the nose. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, it's a testament to how good, like you said, that Matt Reeves is that he can create such a human, 
uh, a human, really intimate. Uh, I mean, this is a summer blockbuster where with not a ton of action in it, and it has war in the movie, and there's not a ton of action. Uh, but yet, yeah, uh, yeah. but yet, Matt Reeves is able to deliver these super human, intimate movies with completely CG characters. So it's it's incredible, really. All right, what's your number four? Number four is one that has not come out in our area yet. I, it's I actually don't think it's come out in any area yet. I think it's out this weekend. Um, it's called Patty Cakes. Uh, it is a movie uh. that came out uh, at South by Southwest. Um, I think it was a Sundance movie. Uh, a movie that's not getting great reviews from critics, and I don't really understand why. Uh, I loved it. It's a, um, we'll, we'll talk about it later in the year when it comes out. Um, but uh, it's a movie about this, uh, this girl. Um, she's, uh, <laughs> I would actually say it's about an overweight white girl who um, uh, tries to make a name for herself rapping. That's her kind of dream. And it's sort of like an eight mile type thing, but like more lighthearted and comedian, uh, comedic, I should say. Um, and it's really like it's uh, it's got flaws, but it's so charming that it overcomes every single one of them. And uh, I loved it. And I'm not a fan of like rap music or anything like that, but I, I really like this movie. I I've, I've only seen the trailer for it, uh, and the trailer really hooked me. Yeah. Um, and- uh, I, I thought it was a great trailer. Uh, I saw the the two trailers I saw that day. I can't remember what I was seeing, but it was that and Ingrid Goes West, and that's another mm-hmm. movie I'm really eager to see. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, oh, man, I haven't, I haven't been missing out on the screen. I know. Did you have a daytime screen? No, it was a um. Did you have a daytime screen. It was a draft house thing. Like like uh, one of their okay. victory screenings. Yeah, I'm. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. Oh, was that the one where they were uh, like Aubrey Plaza and uh, Elizabeth Olsen? Elizabeth Olsen were live in Brooklyn or something? No, it was actually before. I actually saw Ingrid Goes West like two or three weeks ago. It was um, it was a victory screening, and then uh, we partnered with them for a giveaway as well. Oh, well, shows what I know. Exactly. Anyway, uh, my my number four is uh, Wonder Woman. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I liked Wonder Woman a lot. Uh, I know that... Uh, that uh, you know, there's some problems with the film. Uh, there's at the beginning and and the end, but uh, I, overall, I thought it was a really enjoyable thing, and it was one of those things that that I wasn't expecting really much from. Um, you know, I, I saw this comparison t- uh, either yesterday or today. I can't remember what, uh, but it was from someone who had just seen Wonder Woman, and uh, it was about Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot. I'm sorry, that's how you say it. Uh, when She's not, I wouldn't call her a really great actor, um, but she's like Arnold Schwarzenegger in that when she's on screen, like she's commanding the screen, like she's a little wooden and, you know, the accent does get in the way sometimes. In fact, you know, all the other characters on the island, Robin Wright and, um, and whoever else, uh, I can't remember all the other, uh, Amazonian names, but they, uh, (coughs) they matched her accent, which is not. You know, it, it, it's, it, she trips up over it in, a few times, but like I said, it, it's, she's commanding the screen and it, I think there's a really powerful performance in there from her as an action star. And I think it's a, I, I think it was a really, really fun movie that, that almost had no right to be after Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, even though the ending kind of turned into, you know, the Zack Snyder shiny CGI bullshit that we complained about before. <coughs> God damn it. Sorry. 
but uh but uh, again i enjoyed it i can't remember what if you liked it or not uh i did not uh it's i think it's okay i don't think i don't think that that's because you hate women Cody. <laughs> well secrets out now no i uh i i, I don't <laughs> hate women i love women MR. um but, but the, the the thing that i would say about it is that i cannot believe you think that this was better than planet of the apes i had i had a better time at this okay uh, I, that my, I, the, uh, you know, Planet of the Apes didn't quite meet my expectations and Wonder Woman exceeded my expectations. So it's, it's a little subjective. I'll admit. As this all is. It's, um, it's more of a, <coughs> well, I mean, it's, it's a little more subjective than usual, I guess. It, it is very mood based. So, yeah. which is why, you know, something like the disaster artist is on the list. Cause I mean, I love the movie, but I mean the, 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 uh, atmosphere it was presented in had a lot to do with right all right cody what's your number three movie so my number three movie uh is a movie that i saw uh a a while back um early uh it's called step it's a it's a great documentary um about uh like a a step dancing program in baltimore um i can't really get into it because it's uh you know because of official movie reviewer business but um it is coming out in san antonio or scheduled to come out this week and we will i'll talk about it then uh but just uh you know um, i really i'm actually really looking forward to being able to talk about it hey great pick that you can't fucking talk about well you know dickhead. <laughs> uh my number three uh is uh spider-man homecoming yeah that's a good pick um again another one of those another one of those uh uh Something that really exceeded my expectations. I was not looking forward to another Spider-Man movie. I was really, really not looking forward to another Spider-Man movie. And I think, uh, I think we both saw this on the same night. And I got out and uh, immediately messaged you. I was like, "Hey, that was really fun." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the biggest, the biggest uh, asset the movie has is that it's just fun. Uh, I think Tom Holland is really good. I think the uh, the, the you know the uh, deeper ties to the Marvel universe. Marvel Cinematic Universe are are fine. I think they didn't overdo the Tony Stark like I was afraid they were going to. Um, I really liked Michael Keaton. I think he uh, you know he may have needed a little more to do directly with uh, Tom Holland, but I think their scene together, their one kind of marquee scene where it's the ride to the prom, I think is a great scene between the two of them. It is, yeah. Um, but but yeah. <laughs> again like i said just it's just fun it's a lot of fun it and, yeah it's uh, a good tone it's I, I this this would probably be number six or seven <laughs> on my list so far um i i think that tom holland's outstanding i think i when we talked about this back when the movie came out but you know the first spider-man to makes you know peter actually seem like a kid um i i i it's really funny the tone is great i I think it has a little it has a handful of flaws i don't think that that robert downey jr creates any real presence or need in the movie um but uh but overall it's it's good and it's i i did not want to see another spider-man movie either and, and they very smartly didn't put any origin stuff in it which made the movie instantly you know easier to watch in my opinion <laughs> yeah yeah uh probably my favorite part of it was uh and we've talked about this before but there's a a fucking killer like just dagger of a joke by hannibal burris that seems improvised because i'm sure it yeah. is uh where he calls captain america a war criminal yes it just fucking it knocked my ass and out of my seat yeah um literally literally i fell yeah i heard about that it was on uh it was on ain't cool news (laughs) hey harry Knowles was there 
I believe it. Probably wearing a wearing an R two D two hat. I think. <laughs> uh, did I send you that picture? <laughs> no. Maybe I don't remember. He's always dressed like just crazy. I mean, you can't miss him ever. No. But I think that night he had a, like a shiny R two D two hat on. Anyway, uh, moving on. What's your number two movie? Number two is a movie that was uh, that was uh, unassailable until recently, uh, which is Logan. Until recently? What do you mean, until recently? Because a movie very recently overtook it for number one. Oh, oh, I th- oh okay. I thought you meant like the movie itself couldn't uh, all of a sudden became vulnerable. No, I no, because the movie, this came out in February, right? Logan came out in February, uh, right? Its release date was March. For, it was Its release date was March 1st. Oh, okay. I think we saw it like February. Okay. Like the two weeks into... Two weeks out. Yeah, it's a uh, man. It's been a while. This movie is so good. Uh, I it's, I mean, it's you know people like to put qualifiers on it and say things about it and and try to rank it and get hyperbolic, but I I truly do think that um, if it's not the best comic book movie of all time, it's certainly the most unique in that it does not feel like one. It's raw. It's gritty. It's adult. Um, it's, it's got super complex emotional stuff in it. Uh, it feels like it, like you, like I think we said before, it feels like, you know, 20 years culminating in doing exactly what they wanted to with the character. And it just feels like an uncompromised vision of who Logan is, which is an extremely tortured person. And I love that they present him as an extremely tortured person in this movie and uh, it's just insanely great filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, we'll talk about this in a minute because it's maybe on my list too. But uh, I, it's it's interesting in the fact that they took this movie, took Logan, the character of Logan, and kind of bypassed all of the bullshit continuity stuff that's built up all over the years in this X-Men stuff. And it feels, you know, now that I think about it, it feels like they kind of... This is like the other end of the spectrum with Spider-Man uh, Homecoming, but but it means the like it, it has the same feel like they took the essence of everything and the knowledge of everything that came before and boiled away all the bullshit and just gave you the purest version of the character without having to go through the, you know, the origin or the setup or all this other bullshit uh, because you're just dropped into this world. It's what, 2019 in the movie, I think, or 2029, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh you're just dropped into this movie without any kind of 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 notion of what happened. Like you have this hint of what happened, and you know that this is this is essentially the same Logan that you've seen before. <coughs> <coughs> Fuck. And this is the same. Uh, I'm coughing like Logan. Uh, this is the same. Uh, you know, Charles Xavier you've seen before, but something's different. But the movie doesn't spoon feed you what's happened. Right. And you know it doesn't quite jive with the continuity that's going on now, but it doesn't matter because they're telling the best version of this story they can with the with these characters. And uh, that's I kind of feel like that's what they do with Spider Man. Like they boil away all the origin story bullshit. Like you don't need to know how he got bit by a spider. You just know that he's fucking Spider Man. You know that 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 uh, Hugh Jackman is Logan. He is Wolverine. This is all you need to know. Uh, you know, it, the, all the other movies inform it, but this is, stands on its own, uh, and it's just a great, great movie. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I've seen it four times now. I've seen, I think I've seen Logan twice and Logan Noir the once. Oh, well, yeah, I'm counting Noir in there. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah. Uh, which, uh, uh, which is a, is a fun experiment, di- but didn't really do anything. I agree, but I haven't, I, I wonder how it looks on home video, if it looks any different. It's on the Blu-ray. I haven't watched it, though. Yeah, me either. Uh, but it was something, it was a fun fun time if that's a film i just kept thinking i just kept picturing it right uh again my number two is uh the disaster artist uh we've already said most of what we're gonna say about it but uh, again uh you know i i don't i'm always cautious about getting caught up in the festival buzz uh because it, it happens a lot and i think uh you know we witnessed that with uh baby driver um the you know there's been a lot of love for baby driver i don't I think it's a fine movie. I don't think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, Baby Driver, I think, won the audience award at South by Southwest. Yes, it did. And and I got to admit, it, it was a fucking fun time at the movies. But the disaster, the disaster Artist was probably much more fun for me because, you know, I felt a, a deeper connection to it because we've had the, you know, the discussions about the movie and the book for going on for so long with Greg and, and then with Tommy. Um but it, but it's just it is a really great solid performance I think by by James Franco and I was a little disappointed in the trailer they released. Uh, have you seen the yeah the, the trailer that's like a, a minute of him blowing the lines? Yeah, I don't think it's a good trailer. I don't. I don't think it's representative of how good the movie is. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't <laughs> I think don't it works think out of context. Uh, yeah, um, you know. So I I'm hoping this thing doesn't get you know. I hope this thing gets a great reception. I don't know how 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 complete it is because we saw technically a work in progress, uh, but it, you know it felt pretty finished to me. I didn't there didn't feel like there was a lot of fat on the bones there. No, not really. Uh, but I, I think that there's there's some great performances in there. Um, it will be very you know, Franco's great. I, I I was just gonna say it will be very interesting to see because they are giving it a legitimate awards push. So. It's going to be interesting to see how this movie works outside of the people who know and love the room. Uh, I, w- I really, really wonder how that's going to translate. Yeah, I mean, the room is pretty, it's a pretty, uh, um, you know, widely spoken dialect in, in film circles. But, you know, I don't outside of that, I don't know. But, you know, that's awards push, though. That's who's going to see it, you know, is the film people that vote on film. And I think Franco's performance is legitimately really good. Uh, you know, uh, as, uh, Tommy was so, uh, and I, I, I really like, uh, Seth Rogen in the film too. Uh, mm-hmm. I think his character is probably my second favorite character in the whole film. But, uh, yeah, I, again, this is a movie that I can't wait to talk to other people about. Uh, Oh yeah, me too. There's, there's a handful of us that saw it at South by, uh, but I, I just can't wait to discuss this with more people, and it really is—it's uh, a long wait. It's March to what, December first, I think, is the release. Yeah, date. I can't wait to so. talk about this with everyone I've shown the room to. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's great." Yeah. I still—I—I I still uh, can't believe people stayed after the film to watch. The that's room. insanity. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I can watch the room straight again. It's always got to be with riff tracks or. Yeah, you know, I, it's, I, a, it's a it, I it's it's an almost. But I think that the thing that happened was we watched it too many times straight. 
and uh yeah to in like a year one yeah year. Uh, again uh, if you ever get the chance um uh i don't know how often he does it but greg goes around greg sestero tours and uh <coughs> will do live readings of the script mm-hmm. um you know that's that's what he does for the show instead of doing a, instead of showing the film and i had the opportunity to do to read um oh what's the mother's part claudette um claudette yes and uh the when we did it up here in Austin and uh, it was a lot of fun because that part is even more insane than is in the actual finished film. <clears throat> like she just says some bonkers off the wall shit. So if you ever get a chance to do that, that's that's a lot of fun. Uh, I think he too does those at Draft House theaters. <coughs> Excuse me, God damn. Uh, anyways, what's your number one film of the year, Cody? So my number one film of the year is one that we have not talked about on this show. And it's one that I'm frankly a little surprised is not on your list, which is uh, Dunkirk, uh, Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. Um, yeah, it's uh, so we didn't get to talk about it on here, uh, but uh, it is it's I, I it's weird describing Dunkirk because it's 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 a, it's a it's a it's sort of a really interesting exercise in filmmaking, where uh, the thing that I wrote about in my in my review on Cinesnob was that. You know, Nolan, I think Christopher Nolan's worst quality slash his best quality is his ambition. And I think that it trips him up in a lot of films. Like, I feel like the, like the third act of Interstellar was Chris Nolan getting too far up his own ass and, like, trying to outsmart pe- everyone, including himself. And I think that the third act is a little convoluted and hard to follow. And it's basically, you know, Matthew McConaughey in a space library. Like, it's just a weird, like, third act. Like, <laughs> I, so... um I think Dunkirk is is Nolan at his most restrained, and I think that the movie really benefits from that. Um, but yet, it's it's an interesting spin on a war movie because uh, he messes with the structure a little bit, sort of like Memento, where uh, things are happening in uh, there's you know three timelines that are happening, uh, and they're taking over uh, taking place over like uh, different time frames, but yet they all intersect with one another. And uh, I think just the way that it unfolds and the way that he tells the story with the intersections of the timelines is brilliant. And I think that it's it's super tense. And I think that the tension is 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 both a testament to his filmmaking, but also you know you can see things develop in one timeline and see them have their conclusion in another timeline, and still hold tension throughout. So. Um, you know, I th- I think Dunkirk is 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 one of his best films. Uh, he's I mean he's a great filmmaker, so it's not his best, but it's it's the best of the year so far for me. I really I really did like it. Um, the, probably the reason it's not on this list is because it feels a little distant to me. As I as I take a few steps away from it, the experience is great. Um, I, I think it's. It's admirable that it's that it's like a solid 100 minutes. Yeah, uh, restraint, man. I feel, I feel, yeah, I know. I feel like uh, there's something missing, and it's probably some characterization. And that is the one knock uh, I do have I, on I, it. I don't. Uh, I, mean, I get it that that you know that this is the story he wanted to tell, but I feel like I when I think about it. I can't tell anybody on the fucking beach apart uh, because there's no real characteristics to them. I mean, there's the Harry, there's Harry Styles, and that's the one guy I know because that's everybody made a big goddamn deal about it. And because you're but a huge One Direction that, fan. 
I'm a huge 1D fan, uh, 1D for life. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I think that that's never, probably the... Never mind. Well, yeah, you, I, I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, gotcha. I mean that. <laughs> okay. 1D for life. It's my, it's my goal. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, I think that, that, that there's opportunities for it. I think probably just by virtue of of having the most screen time to interact with other people, the only one that gets any characterization is Mark Rylance's character, and even that doesn't have a lot to it. You know, yeah. um, Tom Hardy, I, I like Tom Hardy a lot in the movie. There's just not really much to it. Um, and it, it I, I, again, it's an, it's, it looks gorgeous. It's an amazing technical feat, again, by Christopher Nolan. Um, I just, it feels distant to me. It feels like, it's probably the one, like the one of his recent movies that I wouldn't want to really revisit hmm. because it doesn't feel like there's a lot more to experience there. Interesting. I mean, maybe if I saw, I didn't see it in seventy millimeter, but maybe that might be the thing, or in IMAX. <clears throat> but you know, I don't. You know, there's not really, there's nothing really to latch on to other than that for me, and I don't want to sound like I'm knocking it too much because I think it's a great film. It just there. It feels like it's missing something to me. <coughs> Excuse me. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I, I maybe I'll come back around on it. Maybe I'm I'm a little jaded by it right now. But uh, anyway, so my number one. Um, again, since you didn't ask, you dick. Thanks a lot, Cody. I'm uh, sorry. I was too busy listening to you undercut my number one movie. I, I I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but uh. My number one is Logan. We've talked about Logan uh, so many times. Uh, just a great film. Um, probably my second favorite comic book movie ever. Uh, and again, that's behind a Nolan film, The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, a movie that I absolutely love. And I can, again, a movie I can rewatch anytime that it's on. Um, but, uh, but Logan, I feel like, is going to be one of those movies. I've already seen it four times this year. I. I probably don't need to see it again this year. <coughs> God damn it. But, uh, you know, a great performance by Jack- Hugh Jackman. It's amazing to me how much he is this character. And I wonder really how much, uh, how hard Fox is going to try to recast the character. Because it Wolverine is, is not someone they can have sitting on the sidelines, I don't think, if they're going to keep making these X-Men movies. Yeah, but, but I think uh, even those are running been, out of steam, though. Apocalypse was awful, but they're still making him. Apocalypse was awful, but they're still making Dark Phoenix. Um, I, look, they're going to keep making him as long as they can uh, because they're they want to keep the rights. And I think probably the the creative mojo is switched to Deadpool, uh, yeah, which is technically an X Men movie. But uh, I don't know how they can keep Wolverine on the sidelines because he's literally been in every X Men movie, even the ones he's just had tiny cameos in. But uh, was he in Apocalypse with? Well, oh yeah, there was an extended sequence with him and uh, when they freed him from the Weapon X thing. I hated that sequence. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Remember, and he, like he like takes a longing look at Sophie Turner's Jean Grey. Oh no, I just it, that movie was so unmemorable. I don't remember it very well. His his smallest role was always, of course, in X Men First Class, where all he does is tell uh, McAvoy and Fassbender to fuck off. Yeah. What was I saying? Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they can possibly think someone else can is going to play this character and people are going to accept it. I mean, they'll they'll do it, 
and it's going to be, you know, it's going to happen. But uh, Jackman is so much Logan and Wolverine that it's that it's it's going to be hard for anybody to to think that that uh, you know to, for anybody to step into those shoes. And that's why I really wonder how retired he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you, I think he's you done. Know, you know, he's still. I think I think that you can't I, end I think Logan in 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 that magnificently stick the landing and not be done. But I mean, you know, it's it's always one of those things that you can you can say that, and then you know, five years later they offer him you know fifty million dollars or whatever. Well, I don't have a crystal ball, Jared. I mean, that's why Robert Downey Jr. is still playing Iron Man. It's not because he likes it; he's just because he gets fucking richer, richer, and richer and richer every time he plays it. (coughs) Excuse me. You know, I mean, you think he. As a serious actor, he wants to be acting opposite a fucking space raccoon. No, he's just is richer than fucking God now. Playing Tony Stark. But anyway, uh, that's going to be it. Let's wrap this up since I'm coughing my brains out. So that's our top. That's our top five movies of the year so far. A lot of comic book, comic book movies on mine. You peppered yours with some arty shit. Yeah. And then one thing you can't fucking talk about. <laughs> yep. So it's been a great show, otherwise. Yeah. So And we still got a little um, bit left. Still got a little bit left. Uh oh yeah. I forgot. You got some uh what are we calling that thing? Oh yeah, it's time for no ticket required. Find a comfy spot on the couch and welcome to No Ticket Required. This is our home video segment where Cody watches stuff on Blu-ray and uh then tells us about it. Yeah, thanks for the intro, Jared. Uh so <laughs> Yeah, hey, you know what? Sorry, I'm I'm running out of gas, but go ahead. So I just want to... Anyway, it's our home video segment. Uh, yeah. I just want to briefly yeah. talk about a few oh. things that I've seen recently uh, that are all available uh, wherever videos are sold, like Circuit City and Hollywood Video, Blockbuster Video, uh, you know... Suncoast Motion Picture yes, Company. Yes, Suncoast. Um, but uh, so there's three movies in particular. Uh, I want to start with a movie that I actually can't wait to talk about, and I really wish you had seen this movie. Uh, it's called The Circle, which stars. Uh, it was one they didn't. They didn't. They didn't screen for they us. They did not. Right? They didn't actually screen it anywhere. We, we, we did. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's directed by James Ponsolt, who uh, has a pretty good track record, and most recently made The End of the Tour, which was on my top ten list the year that it came out. A great, great film. Um, and he followed it up with this, which is uh, like it's sort of like a tech thriller. Uh, that has a great cast: Emma Watson, Tom Hanks, John Boyega, uh, Eller Coltrane, our friend from Boyhood. I don't know why I said our friend, but uh, from Boyhood uh, makes an appearance. And the first thing I've seen him seen from him outside of Boyhood, uh, so I was like, "Oh, look, it's the Boyhood kid." I walked past him at the Mo- I walked past him at the Mondo Gallery. Oh, once. nice! Yeah, I remember that for the for the Richard Linklater yeah. show. Yeah, oh, you weren't there. I, well. I remember you telling me about it. I was like, I was there. So <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, so it, it's a it's a movie that sort of takes place there's a company called the circle that's sort of like a a google of sorts of you know these big giant corporations who are trying to have their hands and in, in 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 other people's business and uh and you know try to have world domination by controlling cameras and surveillance and all that stuff and so it's sort it was sort of like a it's like a big brother cautionary tale type thing and I, when I was watching it, I, I was sort of watching it unfold and, and trying to understand how this movie got made, um, because I was reading through the Rotten Tomatoes like snippets, and someone had the best description 
ever of it, which was uh, it, which said it's a version of Snowden made by people who don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> And and I, that's so accurate because it has like an almost Aaron Sorkin esque lack of knowledge of technology, where like just nobody knows what they're talking about. The, the scenarios they're bringing up are asinine and ridiculous. Um, the movie has such a weird plot, and poor Bill Paxton. This must have been one of the last movies he did. Like like he plays a guy with MS in it. And like he has his wife uses a penis pump on him and it's caught on camera and broadcast to the world. It's just a weird scene. Like it's out of place. Like (laughs) the movie is astonishingly like poorly made. Uh, It's it's it doesn't make any sense. The plot is it's impossible to track. And it's it's a film that sort of wastes this amazing cast and actually has a couple good ideas mixed in with horrible ideas and has one of the worst endings I've seen in a movie in a long time where everything just hits with a thud, just like it's supposed to be this big climactic scene, but nothing is explained and you don't know the implications of, of what happened. And it's supposed to be this big dramatic moment that has no weight to it because you don't know what's going on. Like you, you literally don't know. And like, you can tell this movie was just a train wreck because the movie was doing reshoots three months before it came out. And there's, you know, and you can pick up on this stuff, I'm sure. And I'm sure a lot of people do, but there's a lot of shot of people's backs or long shots of stuff. (laughs) And like, and you can hear ADR. Like it's just, you, it's, 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 it's very clear that like a good chunk of the movie was made in post with ADR, just explaining things so that they made some semblance of sense. So, like, you'll notice, like, why is the camera so far away? <laughs> or or why is it? I love it. Oh, that. you would love the circle then because there's a ton of it. Uh, you know, uh, this reminds me of, um, uh, I don't know if you ever saw this. Uh, it was a movie called the uh, anti called Antitrust. It came out in 2001. Uh, and it starred, it was Ryan Philippe and, uh, um, uh, what does, what is his name? Tim Robbins. And it was supposed to be, this is how long ago it was. It was like a Microsoft thing. And Tim Robbins was like a, a Microsoft, uh, Bill Gates stand in. And it was, it was almost the same thing. Like there's something sinister going on at this giant corporation and one guy is going to break it all open. And it was terrible too. And it was another one of those things where it doesn't feel like anybody knows what the fuck they're talking about with these tech movies. And it's just really super on the nose and uh, and, and, and almost insulting in how kind of hand-holding it is. Yeah. Um, and this one, is, it's one of those things where it, it expands just beyond technology because it has to do with, like, these little cameras that are everywhere. And, and if, if the whole world has little tiny cameras everywhere, then you can find people, but it becomes intrusive, blah, 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 whatever. And it's it, it just, like... It, it it's it, it, again. It feels like a cautionary tale made by people who don't quite conceptually understand how it would work in practicality, but also <laughs> with people who don't pay attention to things like you know the story making sense or payoff or any of that stuff. So uh, it's it's a, it's just a crazy. I cannot believe that this movie got made with the talent behind it. And uh, it, you know it's at fifteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is completely fair. Uh, just a terrible, terrible movie. I, I, it's like I said, it's it's so inept that I that it feels like a first film by someone. And so when you look at the talent that's stacked behind it, it's hard to believe that it happened. 
<laughs> All right. What's uh, what do you got next? So next is a movie. So Jared, you know how sometimes you get roped into watching movies that you don't necessarily want to watch, but you end up watching them all the time. Yeah. So I saw, I saw the movie. Uh, I got to make sure that I get the name of it right. Uh, I believe it is called uh, Unforgettable. Uh, it is the movie with Katherine Heigl and Rosario Dawson about um, yes. about. Uh, so Katherine Heigl plays a, a woman who has just div- has divorced her husband a while back, and uh, Rosario Dawson marries him, and they try to do the whole like. Uh, you know, bringing over the daughter for with the new family, and um, and Catherine Heigl is just a wee bit crazy, and uh, it turns into uh, what's essentially a hardcore uh lifetime movie, um, where it's basically everything that you'd expect from like Catherine Heigl is a psycho, uh, very dangerous woman who's jealous. Um, and it, I mean, uh, looking, looking at the, looking at the cast, uh, it, it, it looks like the lead, uh, male part is Jeff Stoltz. That's correct. How is this not, how is this not a lifetime movie? <laughs> That's how, I don't understand. That's a, that, is, I mean, Jeff Stoltz is a, a, you know, a long time, uh, kind of journeyman, uh, WB ish actor. I can't believe he, uh, he got into a, a film that was released in theater. He was giving a lifetime performance. We'll say that. Uh, not the strongest part of the of the cast. In uh, Rosario Dawson, I feel is better than this. Uh, I, I I don't know why she would do this. I think she's got some chops um, that I'm surprised. Yeah, I like. Yeah, her. I do too. Um, but um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's sort of like that in a technology age where. Uh, you know, there's hardcore Facebook stalk- stalking, and it's just a woman going crazy. I mean, it's exactly what you would expect from from ex jealous ex wife goes crazy. It just play that thing out, just play the scenario out in your head, and you've basically got the movie. Um, it's not even campy fun. It's just, it's just dumb. Oh, I feel like there was another movie like this similar released a few years ago, and I can't. Remember was it the it was well? Uh, there's been a couple that have been in this. Va- so I would say that it's most similar to uh, the boy next door, the Jennifer Lopez one. And then also the one with Idris Elba. Um, I would, I can't. That's the one I'm thinking of with, uh, with what's her name from Friday night lights. Uh, Andrew, uh, Adrian Pilec- pa- Pilecki. Is that her name? Oh, I, uh, yeah. Uh, what was the name of that movie? I'm looking it up right now. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to find no oh, good race. deed race. No good deed. That's that's the one, right? Where uh, she was his ex. Well, no. Th- well, that's a different. I don't think she was in that because this one had Taraji P Henson and Leslie Bibb in it. No good deed, but it's very similar to that, where he plays like a like an escaped convict who terrorizes a woman in her house. No, I don't think that's it. Let me let me look up what's her name. Adrian. What is her name? It's Adrian Palicki. So well, but I can't. Why won't Google spell it for me? I don't know. I don't see any. You remember she was in a. Do you remember she was in a Wonder Woman pilot? I do. I don't know what Let's movie see, you're what thinking of. What was it? Maybe I'm not thinking of her. But uh, I, I felt like that she was in a film like that. What was he? Was Idris Elba in another movie like that? Because I feel like there was a movie where he was the husband. Um. Oh God. Oh, was it? Oh, 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 oh. Was it? Um, addicted. Uh, that's, let me, let me look. Is that, is that on his, or was it obsessed? Yes. 
I believe it was Obsessed. I don't know if he was in Addicted, but I know he was in Obsessed. They just they just both came up in related movies on IMDb, so I'm just reading them off. Oh, Beyonce's in that. That's and it's Ali Larder. Yeah. Fuck, I was so close. Ali Larder. Fucking Beyonce is in that. Yes. Oh, Ali Larder. Oh, god damn it. That's it. Oh, god damn it. That's exactly the same fucking movie I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. 2009. Idris Elba, Beyonce, and Ali Larder. Yep. That's oh. very. The plot sounds very that's similar. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i don't think I, I can't remember if i saw this movie or not i know it exists but i can't remember shit jerry o'connell's in it fuck so uh what were we talking about uh, uh, uh unforgettable about? terrible movie don't don't see it unforgettable uh and then la- lastly right. uh is a movie that we've talked about on the show so i just wanted to talk about the special features <laughs> on it um which is kong skull island a movie that underwhelmed both of us uh Borf. Yeah, it, I, I mean, it, I really didn't like it. I don't know how much you did or didn't like it. Um, I did not like it yeah, at all. Yeah, and so I watched the special features, and I was actually surprised because the special features almost made me want to go watch it again. Um, it's it, it's it talks a lot about you know the history of Kong, and it's weird when you watch a, a shitty movie and then you hear people talk about it, and you're like, I don't remember that. Like talking about like the depth of the character and what it's supposed to represent and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, huh, I, I didn't catch that, you know, and it's in 90% of the time it's not there. You know, it's just like someone who's like, you know, like Brie Larson describing her character who basically just holds a camera the whole movie, you know, talking about, she didn't do, shit. she didn't do shit. She didn't. And which is a total waste of an amazing actress, but you know, uh, and her talk about in depth, her character in depth. I'm just like, really? Okay. But it's, it's interesting. Cause it was made by passionate people. And I, I really like Jordan vote Roberts, the director, but, um, there's a lot of really interesting stuff. God, I know. God, I know how much you love that. Guy. I, I like, okay. Anyway. Um, I know how much you like that movie. I know, uh, I know how much you like Kings of summer. I do love Kings of summer. Anyway. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting stuff about like, so they made the movie in Vietnam. And so there's a lot of interesting Vietnam stuff and like the scapes of, of Vietnam and the, in, in that, uh, and then there's a lot of really cool technological stuff where they go into the CGI of uh, and, and and really watching some of the clips that show during like the behind the scenes stuff. It's amazing CGI. The, the movie looks really cool. Um, just in the small clips I saw, the visuals are really nice. Um, but it goes into how it was made in, in detail and you know just talking about how they had two people working on King Kong's hair for a year, uh, just making sure to draw it perfectly and like make it the continuity of it and if it was wet versus if it had been burned. Um, and so you, you really see like this, the CG and like, they've, they've got this really cool thing where, you know, they were talking about how the challenges for shooting the movie were so, were so tough because King Kong is a hundred feet tall. And so framing things with a, with kind of like a narrow um, aspect ratio was really tough. So like they, they show this little iPad they had, um, where they could uh, see the view of the camera and then put like a pre-visualization of King Kong in there at scale. So when you pointed the camera, you could tell where King Kong was in the frame if you needed to move, um, you know, and, and just get the actual size of him in frame so that you could put him in later, which I thought was a, a really cool thing. Um, so they had a little a they had a little AR King Kong. That's cool. Yeah. So it was yeah it, that augmented reality. Yeah, and it was on an iPad. That, it's like that. Yeah. Like that. Um, that uh dancing hot dog <laughs> exactly Snapchat. it's exactly like that <laughs> same technology i wish it was they should have just used the dancing hot dog. by the way how long is it until we get a dancing hot dog movie 
Uh, I'm writing it. As <laughs> oh we shit! Speak. I didn't I'm mean to blow up your spot. That's script. That's spec script. Yeah, fucker. God damn it! I got to deal with uh, the emoji movie people. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I I really I I hated that movie, but yeah. I, I, I did too. I didn't like it at all, but I really liked watching the special features and honestly made me want to watch it again. So um, if you're a fan of the movie, I really um, I really encourage you to pick up the, the, the you know, if you're into special features, uh, to pick up a copy because uh, there's some really interesting behind the scenes stuff. And they talk about it in depth to the point where I, I bought what they were selling in terms of how it was, uh, what their intentions were, um, and, and kind of the historical significance of King Kong to the movie world, but also really seeing the behind the scenes look of how they brought it to life. And it's really great CG in it, so um, I would I would recommend it for fans of the for fans of the film to 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 buy it and watch those features. All right, all right. Anything else before we wrap this bad boy up? No, man. All right. Uh, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. You can find us uh, on Facebook, uh, Cinesnob Critic, Twitter at Cinesnob. I said that backwards. Uh, you can call us at uh, 920-FILM-210. That's 920-3456-210. Uh, you got any uh, Cinema on Tap things coming up, Cody? No. I, you know, that's your big uh, pet project? Yeah, it was just a couple. You just had Hunt for the Wilder People. Just had Hunt for the Wilder People. It was a great event. There were no seats available. It was So it was uh, we were at capacity, which was awesome. We also won a $1,000 grant recently, um, which is cool. It allows us to buy some equipment and take this show on the road, literally. So uh, if you want to follow us, there's a Cinema on Tap uh, Facebook page. Uh, we've got some stuff in the works for our upcoming screenings. And also, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but we're looking at doing a, uh, a 20th anniversary screening of Liar Liar at Alamo Draft House soon. So uh, a movie a movie that I hold very near and dear to my heart, which... Uh, I will be interested to see if, if it ends up happening, um, what the kind of turnout is for that. Because it's a movie that plays on TBS a lot. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's not, Let me just say it's not something I would have picked for a 20th anniversary celebration. But I think that's why I what? did I it. I wasn't seven years old. Yeah. I wasn't seven years old when it came out either. So Very highly uh, rated movie. It's a high, got a high Rotten Tomato score. I, you know, I find it, I don't remember it being bad or anything. I just haven't had any desire to revisit it since I watched it. To me, it's uh, peak comedic Jim Carrey, 20 years ago. other than Dumb and Dumber. I See, I don't like Dumb and Dumber. Really? I, I still think that, uh, I, we talked about this when we reviewed the second one. I never got into the first one. Uh, the second one's a turd. I mean, the second real one, that prequel I never saw, but... The first movie I just didn't I just didn't care for. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah. That sounds like an interesting time. On that note, I'm Jared King. And I'm Cody Viafania. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit Cinesnob.net. See you next week.